Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal, and I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome to the Cannabis Daily Show for Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. Since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry, and we look to do that here every day. We'd love to hear from you in the comments, and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And please, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe. Following the rundown of today's top news stories and, can and industry insights, we'll be joined by Dario Yaganovich of CanDelta, the official regulatory advisory of Business of Cannabis, to talk about the changes from Health Canada, how they impact current and future licensees, as well as the overall loosening of the regulatory landscape in Canada. Some announcements. The European Cannabis Report is now available for download. It's in its seventh edition. It's all the information you need to know about what's happening in Europe today and tomorrow. You can check it out in the description below. There's links there. It's put together by our friends at Prohibition Partners. In September will be in New York for Business of Cannabis New York, a two-day bonanza. Talk about all things New York, but all things emerging industries in the States as well. That is in September information below. For today's stories, the U.S. House passed a medical cannabis research bill driven by M&A and state expansion. MSO revenues make big gains. Canadian cannabis retail store count right now when the April Fool's gag is just too good and Love Hemp shareholders vote to stay the current course. For our first story, the Medical Marijuana Research Act passed the House on Monday in a 343 to 75 vote. This in a story from Forbes. The bill is co-sponsored by Republicans and Democrats, and if it's passed by the Senate, if it's passed by the Senate, it would make it easier for research to study regulated cannabis and provided by stores in legal states, which is so it seems to be a really good step forward. For our second story, America's leading multi-state operators reported major revenue growth in 2021 due to M&A and market expansion. This is in a story from MJ Biz Daily. Two companies, uh, Green Thumb Industries and TrueLeave, even posted profits last year. But the hurdles continue to dog profitability across the sector, including the cost of expansion, 280E taxes, lower consumer spending. And as evidenced by last month's $2 billion Columbia Care Cresco Labs deal, the M&A spree is likely to continue in 2022. Quote, we, are ex we expect the trend will continue and even accelerate in the near term. This from Jonathan DeCourcy, who is at Viridian Capital Advisors. For our third story, each week, Business of Cannabis delivers a series of insights from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. This week, Cannabis Benchmarks reviews, they reviewed Canada's recreational cannabis store count. They've been tracking the number very closely because of the direct correlation between stores and sales. And the number of stores continues to climb steadily across the country, making the legal cannabis system more accessible to consumers and, in some cases, increasing competition between retailers in more saturated local markets like in downtown Toronto and some parts of Alberta. Go to our website, businessofcannabis.com, for the full briefing. For our fourth story, the problem with April Fool's jokes is that they're usually bad. And when they're good, well, they're just devastating. Take the example of the late entry last Friday afternoon by founder and CEO of BC-based Tantalus Labs, Dan Sutton. Quote, it is with a heavy heart that I share the unfortunate flooding of Sun Lab, which is where they grow their cannabis. He put this out on a tweet, and there was a photo to go along with it. We got everyone out, and no one drowned, but it filled up too quickly. We will be back. Now, the news of the flood grow, the flooded grow, was met with a tsunami of sympathy, with offers from helping from all sectors of the industry. Damn, hoping your, for your quick recovery. This is from Extract Magazine. Can we share this photo? They were looking for content for the magazine. Dan wrote back, as long as you caption it, all-time cannabis Twitter April Fool's champion. So it, uh, he outed himself uh, with an April Fool's joke. 
for our final story. All five resolutions proposed by one of its largest shareholders, including ousting chairman Andrew Mail, were not accepted by Loveham's shareholders in a vote last week. This isn't a story from Business Can. The re resolutions pr proposed by Pershing Nominees Limited were remove the chairman, reduce board salaries by 75%, undergo a strategic review and list the company for sale, review the financials and halt the marketing spend. But more than 95% of the votes were actually against the proposal. Quote, all resolutions were strongly voted against, highlighting the support for our current shareholder base. This from CEO Mail. I look forward to refocusing our efforts on moving forward with our growth strategy and the upcoming listing on the main market of the London Stock Exchange. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 12,000 others and catch all of those stories and more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up on our BOC Live segment, we connect with Dario Yaganovich of CanDelta, which is the official regulatory advisory of Business of Cannabis. We wanted to connect with Dario to talk about the latest changes from Health Canada, but really all kinds of regulatory changes in Canada. Here's the up-to-the-minute conversation with Dario Yaganovich. Dario, thanks for being here. No problem, Jay. How's it going? You got a new look since last time you were on, since last time I saw you. It's uh, different than it was. I'll let those in the audience uh, take their shots on Twitter if you're ready for that. <laughs> uh, I like it. I'm a facial hair guy, so I see uh, game, uh, respect game, I guess. Um, Dario, you follow, obviously, what's happening with Health Canada. Last week, I think it was, there was a series of, you know, I see all the regulatory changes by tweet, but I assume there's a more official way to get them. What is Health Canada changing? What is it keeping the same? What should we be focused on and what can we talk about? For sure, Jay. Yeah. Um, so there's there's been a lot of changes that kind of came came about in the last in the last month. March has been pretty busy for Health Canada. There's a series of, of, of major announcements that they made in terms of regulatory changes that are proposed or effective right away. Um, and that's been to the delight of a lot of uh, a lot of license holders in the Canadian industry. It's kind of a, a breath of fresh air. I mean, I think it's no uh, it's no secret at this point that there's a, a variety of challenges that the Canadian producers are, are facing right now. And uh, so uh, alleviating some some of the regulatory burden for these folks has been has been really great for them. So um, on you know starting off on March twelfth, uh, a, a big announcement came out uh, via the uh, the Canada Gazette posting, which allowed for uh, it was a, pr a proposition for some changes to the regulatory framework concerning specifically um, research license holders, for example, um, to allow them additional activities for their studies like. Uh, evaluating things like onset times and durations of, of cannabis products, which before was really limited to uh, clinical trials, which is really unaccessible for, for a lot of producers for a multitude of reasons. Um, analytical labs uh, can also uh, potentially produce reference standards and test kits. Uh, they're uh, proposing to amend the requirements for the head of laboratory for analytical licenses. And as well, the cannabis beverages, they're amending the equivalency factors that uh, are associated with them so that you know folks can now carry out of a store um, more more beverages than they would in the past which was uh, you know notably limited so that's really big obviously for you know retailers producers in general so that's been good um, another announcement came on March 30th uh, by way of uh, 
uh, a note to all the existing license holders that Health Canada plans to extend their COVID-19 measures to uh, September 30th of 2023. So that's 18 months, actually, over a year, a year and a half, pretty much, to uh, give them a little bit more flexibility to, you know, do things like witness destruction virtually or uh, have some flexibility on their packaging date with plus or minus four days and conducting activities like quality assurance activities, sales, record keeping, and other things off-site, which has been very helpful for a lot of producers. And so it's nice to see that they've extended that even further. The one that we're talking about mostly today, though, it came on uh, the day after that, on March 31st, which was uh, Health Canada announced to all existing license holders and moving forward for any new applicants that they, for uh, specifically for a processing license, that they have uh, decided to completely eliminate the uh, the sales amendment process for dried dried cannabis and fresh cannabis. So that's been huge. I mean, especially for you know micro micro processors and uh, smaller smaller companies, it's the sales amendment process has always been a huge regulatory burden for a lot of them. You know, once you get your license, you've gone through so much to get to that point. Now you also have to, you know, you're limited in what you can sell until you can get that authorization to sell your products directly to uh, the provinces. And so going through the sales amendment process has been a huge challenge for a lot of folks. And there haven't been a significant number of uh, processors who've even uh, achieved it on the micro level, at least. So by doing this, I think a lot of hopefuls have, uh, you know, had a breath of fresh air that to say that you know now Health Canada decided that they're going to amend every processing license micro or standard out there within the next 90 days to basically give them right away the authority to sell uh, dried cannabis and fresh cannabis products finished products to uh, medical channels to consumers through the through the provinces and uh, yeah so basically you're going to have you're going to have a prioritization of anybody who has been who, any producers that have, are currently in the queue for their sales amendment. So they're going to get theirs first. And we've already seen that seen that in play. Uh, and then within the next 90 days, everyone is going to be amended to allow for that. It seems like a big deal. I feel like we spent time talking about the sales amendment as being the final regulatory burden, which means if you don't have it, you were really forced the force you had to sell it to other producers who had a sales amendment right so like there was this there was a way to get your product to market it just wasn't direct and every time it's not direct it it eats at your bottom line presumably um and so i guess the flip of that is so now this regulatory burden has been lowered or taken away there will be these new uh, processors that don't need a sales amendment that actually have product to sell directly through channels um uh, like, does that mean it's going to be like the regulatory burden is down, but does that make the job for like the Ontario cannabis store that much more complicated to find people to buy cannabis from? Because presumably some of these people are micros and they will, they won't be able to fulfill these huge orders that OCS wants, but may have really interesting products for consumers and retailers may really want like, so does it, I mean, I, I know the regulatory burden comes down, but does it create an operational challenge for provinces who are the distributor and wholesaler? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Jay. I think um, with, there's always been a, there's always been a, a big challenge even after you get your sales amendment. That's not, that's not even the final regulatory burden. Now you have to deal with the provinces and getting into the provinces. And then, like you mentioned, for the smaller 
for the smaller companies getting your product you know even if you become a registered vendor like getting your product to be carried by uh by the OCS or, or one of the other boards, the provincial boards is is quite a challenge. You have to really set your your product um, apart from from the others. There has to be a need for that product currently. So there there is a lot of challenge that, that folks face with that. And you know the OCS will now have you know a lot more obviously applicants that are going to be coming in to. Um, uh, to offer their products, but the good thing that this is this is signaling is it's kind of a, a a larger a larger topic here that we're seeing. It started on the provincial level with the OCS um, starting to create some additional pathways to like the flow through program to allow for uh, more products uh, to be accessible through uh, some of the smaller producers, right, and give them more of an opportunity. These regulatory changes from Health Canada now, obviously Health Canada at the federal level, they're a little bit slower to, to roll things out. But to see these kinds of changes happen all within the span of a month, it, it I think, you know, hopefully, I, I, I would assume it's, it's indicating, you know, a greater, um, a greater awareness that Health Canada and the provincial regulators are having towards, towards what the challenges are that the industry is facing right now. They know that there's a lot of levels of administration. There's issues with overregulation. There's a lot of different pe people taking a cut of the pie, right? So the bottom line becomes, you know, very, uh, very diminished for a lot of, um, for a lot of, especially the smaller producers. But even the larger ones, of course, they have bloated costs as well, right? So I think this is signaling that they're that the regulators are listening and that they're trying to trying to help in some ways to alleviate some at least of the regulatory burden and hopefully that's going to continue in terms of the trend i mean i think that it would be uh it, it would definitely be a challenge now for ocs to you know manage a lot of these new incoming um incoming applications that they'll have and all of the other boards but I would I would assume that they may have had some conversation even potentially with the re the federal regulators although they don't necessarily talk too much from my understanding but there has to be some way to support it through the infrastructure and so if they can't support it then they're going to the the provinces will be forced to find ways to do that whether that means reducing the uh, the oversight that the, the the provincial distributors have and maybe allowing for for privatization moving forward, who knows? I mean, all speculation, but these are good things. This points to um, them listening. Um, I know personally, I, I spoke to a few regulators um, that were passing through at uh, at the Lyft Expo, for example. I mean, they never announced themselves too much, but they're just kind of walking through and you know they keep a low profile. But and I, I asked them, you know, what what's your what's your purpose here? Like, what are you what are you looking to to hear about? And you know, they, they said that they were, without giving too much, they said that they were aware of the challenges that are faced right now and seeing where there might be, you know, ways for um, improvement in the future, potentially. Yeah. Part of it is about addressing challenges that the industry is facing. Part of it is about getting more products to consumers. But it also seems, especially with the, you know, the burden to get even a processing license, then another burden to get a sales license. Like, I wonder if it's just like there was just too many layers of regulation and the, the impact of the effect of that regulation was not even as intended, right? There weren't people, it was just time and money. It wasn't like there are people reached the threshold for a process and it didn't reach for sales, although there may have been, but like by and large, the players that are getting the licensing, the big licenses from Health Canada are actually 
able to sell product and do it safely and do it effectively and and all the rigor that comes with the process that's already in place. And I guess you mentioned this, but like Health Canada, all the regulations you talked about changing or loosening by and large, including equivalencies for, for beverages, including the processing license to sales license sort of uh, streamline and what's happening on the provincial level, both in Ontario with the flow through program, but also with the white label that's gone back mm-hmm. and forth, but our retailers be able to white label. We see that also in Alberta with they, I think it's like the cut red tape, blah, blah, blah. But now the private retailers are allowed to deliver and offer e-commerce and, and mm-hmm. the province is getting out of it. Like, I, I don't know if we're talking, like, is this a watershed moment, but there are big uh, differences now than there weren't before. And this has all happened within the span of a couple of months. And it seems to be that regulators on the provincial and the federal level understand what we've known for some time is that the world isn't come it didn't come crashing down with legalization and that the loosening will also not cause the sky to fall and like Mm -hmm. i I wonder i don't want to project what is next but as you're saying like these are good steps these are positive steps consumers retailers you know produce you know producers like up and down the supply chain these are good moves yeah no for for sure and i think it's hard to always know you know what where where these decisions come from obviously they regulators work within a black box you don't really know until they just spit something out at the end and sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's not right now we're getting a lot of positivity but you know i i imagine like with you know working with health canada for for a few years you know you can kind of notice some some trends and within the industry and so you know they don't necessarily, for example, right now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions that are going on in the industry, right? That's, that's no secret, but health Canada isn't necessarily trained to manage what those types of transitions are. They don't, they didn't really have a good, um, a good, a good program for analyzing these things. And now they're getting inundated with more of them. And so, you know, potentially that is also a factor in, in them saying like, hey, this is not how we wanted the, the industry to go. We, we want people to be able to have a successful business and not have to do these kinds of regulatory feats of, of changing and modifying licenses and things like that. So perhaps there's ways that we can make this a little bit easier. So, and the same thing comes with the provinces and it, it often comes from re- results-based and it's reactionary. And that's, that's okay. You can't really know. I mean, the the regulators are always going to take a um, you know safety first approach, and that's what they did. And as we had predicted, you know, years back, that regulations start tight and then they loosen. And so, this is hopefully a sign that it's moving towards that direction. I'm hoping that they're going to have some additional changes with you know the upcoming uh, cannabis act review that you know will lead to changes even in like the taxation, for example. Like that's that's a huge one that's really impacting folks. But, you know, we, we're hearing uh, about, you know, New Brunswick moving into, you know, a more privatized model and, and some of the other um, some of the other provinces and some of the bigger ones, like you mentioned, Alberta, moving into sort of like a semi um, uh, semi privatized uh, model there. So that's that's all positive, I think. And, you know, the less the less government overreach that we necessarily have, um, I think it'll be easier to have a very you know stable and and. Uh, and prosperous market as we move forward. I like the sound of that, Dario. <laughs> it's all, it's all, by the way, a lot of these changes have come since you started growing a mustache. So, I mean, you're going to have to keep it if you want the regulations going the right way. I don't know if anybody's brought that up, but it might be a good luck charm. 
Hey man, like you have you, you have a lot of uh, real estate there that you can you can join me as well. So that's true. I, I can just bring it down to the Dario. Is what we'll start. Yeah, calling. Dario, I do enjoy hearing. Uh, thank you for the update on what's happening specifically around Health Canada because I think that is super critical to nearly everybody and getting some insight there. Want you to promise to come back the next big announcements that come from Health Canada. And until then, thank you for uh, making time. Thank you for being our expert today. And uh, we look forward to connect with you down the road. Thanks so much for having me, Jay, as always. Talk to you next time. Cheers. Good work. That was episode 62 of the Cannabis Daily Show for those keeping track. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube or wherever you caught the program. And please do subscribe on YouTube if that's where you watched it. Thank <laughs> you.